All right, good morning. My name is Zoli, and we're going to be talking about forgiveness today. Forgiveness is a great subject. <clears throat> we hear a lot in the Bible about love, mercy, God's sacrifice, God's forgiveness. And we can easily identify the, the forgiveness from God to us. But then we forget sometimes that God says, I need you to forgive each other. So that's what we're talking about today forgiveness. And my question to you this morning is, what was it, <clears throat> excuse me, what was it that drew, drew you to Jesus in the first place? Right? Was it love? Was it uh, adoration? Were you, did you first discover God through nature? What was it that first drew you to Jesus in the first place? Maybe was it searching for meaning in your life? Maybe uh, you felt unwhole and you were looking for that which would complete you. Um, maybe there was emptiness in your life that needed to be filled and that is only something that God could fill, right? <clears throat> we are all seeking that love. We are all seeking that acceptance. And we are all, some of us can be driven by guilt and that guilt causes us to seek God. Um, maybe we're convicted of the things in our past that we need to bring forward to God. When, when, when we're without God, it's, it's easy for us to get lost. In the beginning part, maybe, of our life, I feel like I'm hemmed in here, excuse me. Uh, uh, in the beginning part of our life, it was, it was all about us, man. The world was brand new, and we're running, and we're learning, and we're enjoying, and we're living life to the full. And then all of a sudden, we realize, quite honestly... Life isn't all about us. God's like, hey, what about me, the creator of you? And we're driven, maybe, by the sins of our past to realize that we can't do it on our own. And this is where God's love, God's forgiveness comes in. So I do not have slides this morning. Uh, I will apologize for that. Um, so grab your Bible in front of you if you want to follow along. I always encourage everybody to follow along in your Bible because I'm not here to con you into anything or convince you of anything of my own words. Uh, we're going to be using Jesus' words this morning. Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 28 and 29. So this is the reason why I came to Christ. Because I had no peace in my heart. I had plenty of fun. I had plenty of what I thought was completeness, but I didn't have peace. There was something that was bothering me, and this is why this scripture verse means so much to me. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 29. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, the king of the universe, God, the creator of all things, could have been a mean and nasty man, right? He could have. I mean, I mean he, God is, and I suppose he could be any way he wants to be because he's God, but that's not his character. God's character is love. His character is mercy. And his character is also forgiveness. 
when we come to that relationship with God, which what we're seeking, first we have to be cleansed of our sin because our sin keeps us from God, and that's what Jesus did. He came so that we could come to into relationship with God. So this, this God that I said could have been mean and nasty, austere, hold the line, do it my way or the highway, this same God said in the Scripture verse that we all know so very well in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, uh, if you want to flip to that for for verse 17, because like we, we memorize 16, but I don't know how well we memorize 17. But for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. This is the 17th. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. That tells you the heart of Jesus. That the heart of Jesus not only is love, but it's also acceptance of where we are. Wherever He finds us at that moment. That's, now, He doesn't want us to necessarily stay in that condition. That's why He came. Could you imagine for a second here? Let's, let's just use our imagination for a second. Imagine that you are a physician. And you have heard that there is a tribe in some far, far away place that is suffering from a communicable disease. And you have all of the funding you need. You have a heart to help people. So you pack up all the supplies you know you're going to need. And if you need more, you got them on next day air coming, right? Uh, you have the entire... Uh, entire military might of all the countries providing you with everything you could possibly need as far as transport so you're covered you got all the resources you need you go down to this tribe and you find out it's just a simple little communicable disease that anybody could fix just walking into you know a, a local pharmacy and so you talk to them about it hey i have the ability to take care of that problem that you were all suffering from so horrifically and they're all like nah we're fine. We'll do it our way. That's the heart of God. Now, God's not disappointed. He's not frustrated. He's not like, what's wrong with you people? God just loves and he waits. And eventually, the, the, the physician gets one or two brave people from the crowd to try it. And sure enough, that easy, easily uh, healed communicable disease goes away. And then, of course, other people join as well. This is what Christianity is like. The sin in our lives, the, the rebellion against God, that's the disease, and Jesus gave it. That's, that's the cure. Let's turn now to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> See, the amazing thing is that when God heals us, He heals us completely. It's not like we have any scars to show it when we're done, because we're not a healed person after we are saved. We are a new person after we are saved. Second Corinthians, please join me, chapter 6. Let's read verses 17 through 19. So 2 Corinthians 6, 17 from 19. Did I get this right? 2 Corinthians 6, 17 through 19. Hmm. Is it 1 Corinthians? Oli's notes. Let's try 1 Corinthians 6. It was a nice scripture verse, but it... What was that? <laughs> Thank you, because we're covering that today.
Nope, I got the wrong chapter. Anyway, this is it. In Christ, you are a new creation. All things are new. That's the scripture verse. Now, I guess you're home. Chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. See, I was so close. Thank you. I'm going to write it down, doggone it. Second Corinthians chapter 5. See the big 5 on my paper. There we go. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Let's read verses 17 through 19. There we go. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. And it goes on to talk about how we are ambassadors for Christ, sharing that reconciliation with others. And this is awesome. We are not some fixed, broken down car. We are a brand new car in Christ Jesus, right? So, in our minds, let's forget about the misdeeds we've done in the broken down car because it's irrelevant now in Christ. Now, for those who have not accepted Christ and have not entered into covenant with Him, please do because you're in a broke down car, okay? And God wants to create a new creature. Now, we will never forget some of the sins that we've done in our past. We will not forget because that's the way God designed us. But we're not talking about forgiving and forgetting. We're talking about forgiveness today. So you're a brand new creature in Christ. And forgiveness brings us peace. Okay, Forgiveness brings us love and joy, and it restores or creates in us this relationship with God, the way it should be, and the one that we so desperately desire. Because we're gathered here today for that very purpose. We have this one thing in common, and that is we love Jesus, and we want to be with Him. And the next question is, but do we want to be with each other? Right? How about the rest of the world? Right? If we can barely handle being with each other, where does that leave the rest of the world? See, now it's going to be hard for us to be ambassadors for Christ if we have a hard time loving our own family, if we have a hard time loving our own family at Redwood. And so God is calling us up higher to that very purpose. See, today we are talking about forgiving others, okay? And that means that others are forgiving us, right? Okay, so it goes both ways. So let's turn to Hebrews now, chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 through 15. Hebrews chapter 12, 14 through 15. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. What about that guy that cuts you off? Well, that's part of everyone. What about the guy that was pumping your gas and just let it go at the first click, even though you asked him to fill it, please, and he put it on super-duper fast? Is that in the only, am I the only guy that gets annoyed by that? Soup, I want it full, please. Well, it's almost full. Yes, it's almost I want it full. Yes, make every effort. 
right? Make every effort, and you know he's got a job and, and he needs to be loved too. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many. Bitter root. Um, There is a vegetable that uh, the Chinese eat. It's called bitter melon. It's actually a fruit, sorry. Melon would be fruit. Uh, It's called bitter melon, and it looks like a cucumber. It's really cool. Um, and it is, it is one of those special foods that they ate on special times of the year, and Alvin being Chinese. And if you've met my wife, you know. Okay, so we go up to Canada to see mom and dad. Hi, mom and dad, if you're watching. And bitter melon is not one of my favorite foods, right? And because, oh man, it'll just take the sweetness right out of your mouth. Yeah. It's like sucking on a greasy tin can or something. I mean, it is a nasty, nasty fruit. But it works good with that dish. You just don't go back for seconds. At least I don't. (laughs) Bitterness is one of those things that happens in life. And um, I'd be lying. I'd be dying and I'd be lying if I said I've never been bitter. I have been bitter. So what is the seed that grows the bitter melon in my life? And the answer is it's resentment, right? It's resentment. So somebody does something you don't like, okay, no problem. They do it twice, okay, that's irritating. They do it three times, that's annoying. They do it four times, after a while, it starts to become irritation, resentment, and anger, and bitterness, right? So what's the secret to bitterness? How do we kill the bitter melon? Forgiveness. Forgiveness kills the bitter. Because blessed is the man. Romans chapter 4. Where was that? Romans chapter 4, Dad. You sh- you- Romans chapter 4. Let's turn to that. This is a, a freebie. I didn't add this one in. We're gonna- but God has told us to say it. Romans chapter 4. Let's do that. Um, verses 7 and 8. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Right? Forgiven. Grace. Peace. So when the guy goes too fast on the gas, I just go in my mind, because if I say to the guy, I forgive you, could you see how, imagine how awkward that would be at a gas station? Click. Oh, you're done. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. I forgive you. It would just be really weird. So in my mind, I just forgive him because I would much rather live in peace with that man, that same man that does it every time, than I would rather not. And I'm praying that God would would help me uh, with my irritation, frustration, and bitterness. Let's go to the Old Testament real quick. Let's go all the way back to Ruth. Um, uh, I actually had to look it up because I couldn't remember exactly where it was. My Bible used to flip a lot better until I accidentally left it out in the rain. And now it's all curled, (laughs) so it doesn't fold just as well as it used to. 271 in my book. Ruth. Ruth. Yes, that's what a dog says. Okay, Ruth chapter 1. Verse 19. Now, you guys know the story about uh, Naomi. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know the story about Naomi. 
They were having a, a, a really bad season of weather in Israel, uh, most likely because God had withdrawn His blessing from them because they were sinning. He was trying to get their attention. And so um, Naomi's husband and Naomi and her two sons move basically to the east. They go to Edom and they're going to live over there because they had food there and they wanted to eat them. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so anyway, they go, they go to Edom to live there because there is a lack of food in Israel. And while they're there, her sons die, her husband dies, and now she's got two wives for her, husband, or her sons who are now dead. And she says to him, go back to your family, I'm going to go back to Israel. So this is what happens when she comes back to Israel. Ruth chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. So these two ladies, two women, went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman exclaimed, can this be Naomi? You know, it's really kind of nice that you are having an effect on everyone around you. So when you're gone for a while and you come back, your friends are like, wow, can this be Oli? Where's his hair? <laughs> How many months is it now? Right? But anyway, Naomi is not happy when she returns. Her life, she's been stripped of everything that she holds dear. So she says in verse 20, don't call me Naomi. She said to them, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, in verse 21, but the Lord has brought, it, brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? So Mara in Hebrew means bitter. And so this is where she was at. Did she resent her life? Yeah. Was she bitter in her life? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to change your name, you know, to bitter, you know, the art, artist formerly known as Prince is now bitter, right? I mean, if you're going to change your name to a single word, bitter, that's, that's saying something. And so um, it's amazing how God, though, works miracles and restores to her the things that she had lost. Uh, anyway, when, when anger and unresolved, uh, unresolved anger turns into bitterness and resentment, as a disciple of Christ, we have been called to follow Christ, to obey Jesus, and to do what He does. So, let's see what Jesus did. Because Jesus is the perfect example. Let's turn to Luke. Luke chapter 23. By the way, don't leave your Bible out in the rain, kids. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. How are we doing on time? Good. You know what a, when a preacher looks at his watch, you know what that means, right? Absolutely nothing. But anyway, I am mindful. I am mindful of you guys, and I don't want to... I just totally stole that joke from Bob Wood. So, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. For they do not know what they are doing. Now, was Jesus dead yet? No. Was he risen from the dead yet? No. So, he's forgiving them before he's even offering himself as a sacrifice. That's a pretty powerful thing. You know, I mean, he is forgiving sins before they've even finished doing the sin. He's not even dead yet. So, it's an amazing, that shows the love that God has. Let's go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 7, we'll learn about Stephen. So Acts 
chapter 7, verse 59 and 60. So it wasn't just Jesus who did it. The disciples and some of the, uh, the followers of Christ did it as well. Acts chapter 7. Bless you. Acts chapter 7, verse 59 and 60. So while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, meaning he died, right? Why? Why would he do that? You know, I mean, I'd be like, well, my last words would be like, ah, right? You know, but his last words are, Lord, don't put this sin on their list. Don't hold this against them. And that shows the love that, that Stephen had for those who were unsaved. Uh, did it hurt him to get stoned to death? Absolutely. Uh, that would be horrific. And then we read Romans chapter 4, verse 7. Blessed is the one who is forgiven. Also, you can find that in Psalm chapter 32, if you're taking notes. You can also find it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed is the one whose sin is forgiven, who has no list. Man. Now, do you remember back when Jesus was talking about the man who owed millions of dollars to the rich man? And uh, the rich man said, you need to give me my money. And the, the man said, I don't have it. But be patient, I will pay you back. As, you know, give me time, I'll pay you back every penny. And the rich man said, I forgive you. Go and be on your way, right? And so that, rich, that guy who had owed millions of dollars found his friend who owed him ten bucks and said, pay me your money, you know, give me what you, what you owe. And Jesus was making a point at this. He was saying, your sins will not be forgiven if you don't forgive the sins of others. Now, this is not a salvational issue. Okay, let's make this very clear. Okay, once you have entered into covenant in Jesus Christ, okay, your sins are forgiven. But the point is, we also need to forgive our sins. So what happens if I refuse to forgive somebody else's sins? I hold on to resentment. I hold on to anger. What's going to happen to me? Well, it's very simple. The relationship between me and God is going to be like the relationship between that rich man and the one who owed a million bucks. Put him in jail till he pays every penny. See, God corrects us. Okay, He's not here to just punish us. He wants to correct us. So what does that look like? Okay, What it looks like is that when we pray to God, He's like, I'm waiting. You got something you need to do. I'm not saying God can't hear your prayers. It's just He's not necessarily going to act on them immediately because there's something in between you and Him. So it's not a salvational issue. You, if you, like, did, did I forget a sin? Is there a sin in my life I've forgotten to forgive? Because I don't want to go to hell. I want to forgive every sin so that I can be forgiven. If we're saved because we forgive other people's sins, then that's a work, right? Then we're not saved by grace. We're saved by grace. But we must forgive. And that's the important part, the thing to keep in mind. So this morning, I want to talk a little bit about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness is not. 
Okay, so let's start with the not. Forgive what, it, what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not ignoring that a sin happened to you in the first place. Okay, that's denial. If you deny that someone has sinned against you, and it's still, it's still going to sit in there, and it's just going to rot and fester. Sin, uh, forgiveness is not ignoring that it happened. That's not forgiveness. Two, forgiveness is not justifying or approving the sin or explaining it away, right? Well, if I hadn't had the $50 hanging out of my pocket, he wouldn't have been tempted in the first place. Stop doing that, okay? When someone steals, they steal, okay? That's a sin. And whether you had the 50 hanging out of your pocket or whether it was in your sole or your shoe, that's not your fault. So stop justifying somebody else's sin. A sin is a sin. Acknowledge it for what it is. Forgiveness is not pardoning, which means there's no consequences. Every sin has consequences because God has boundaries. God has boundaries. He maintains His boundaries. He wants His boundaries respected, just like you and I want our boundaries respected. When somebody's always in our face and breaking our boundary, we say something about it, right? We, and so when we sin, there are consequences for that sin, okay? Uh, number four, forgiveness is not pretending that no harm was done. Oh, no harm, no foul right? No. Sin is a sin. It hurts us emotionally. It hurts us spiritually. And it is what it is, right? And forgiveness is also not forgetting. So if you remember sins that have happened to you in the past, you're a normal human being, okay? We don't have to forgive and forget. As a matter of fact, it's important that we remember, especially if somebody likes to penetrate your boundaries, if you got somebody in your life that's violating your boundaries over and over and over again, guess where the problem is? Me. If I'm letting somebody take advantage of me over and over and over again, that's my fault. Stand firm on my boundaries. That's what I need to do. Likewise, when you don't... So for, forgiving does not mean you act like it never happened. So if somebody literally rips you off and is a thief and stole something from you, Turn them in. Okay? There are consequences for sin. Now, does this mean you can go to their trial and you're a loser? No, it just means they have to see the consequences. Because guess what happens if, we, if there are no consequences for their sin? They do it again. And somebody else is going to be the next victim. Okay? So that's not what forgiveness is. Okay, what forgiveness is, is being totally aware of what someone has done and still forgiving. Okay, forgiveness is not keeping score. Okay, uh, forgiveness is, I'm going to stop building up that resentment. Okay, and there are things in my life that I don't like, and there are things that my family does that I don't like, and I just forgive over and over again. Because it's not one of those things that penetrates my boundaries. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm cool with that. It's annoying. You know, when I say I need to be at church at 9.30, that doesn't mean we leave the house at 9.30. <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Does this make sense? Okay. Forgiveness is choosing not to keep score. Okay. Now, if you have a problem with somebody 
who keeps doing the same thing over and over again, then we, we would follow Matthew chapter 18. So I'm going to pause there on what forgiveness is. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18 really quick. Cover this and then we'll hop back into what forgiveness is. Matthew chapter 18. Jesus talks about this. This is the method that we should be using to help bring people into right relationship with ourselves and with God. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 17. 15 through 17. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. If they listen to you, meaning and apologize, right? You have won them over. But if they will not listen to you, and this is especially what we do in the church, take two, one or two others, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. We all want to be on the same page, and we want to acknowledge it. If they still refuse to listen, then tell it to the church. And if they still refuse to listen, even to the church, then treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector and say, I love you but you are unrepentant in this sin and we need a time out from each other. We just need some space, okay? And it's my prayer and it's my hope that while you're in this separated state, you think about what's going on. Maybe you miss our company and you start to feel regret, right? And then we make things correct. That is what forgiveness is, right? So the challenge with resentment and bitterness, and this is what happens, Sometimes we're afraid to tell somebody, I didn't like that, that was mean, right? And we can say it nicer than that, right? Sometimes we're afraid to tell them that because we, and this is part of my personality, is to be a people pleaser. I like people to like me. When people don't like me, I don't like that, right? So I want people to be happy and, and all that sort of thing. But if I don't say anything when somebody has sinned, okay, then what happens is it starts to become a resentment, it starts to become bitterness and anger, and if I don't turn it over, then the next thing starts to happen. You ever wonder what flower bitterness produces? Okay, the bitter melon's got the root and with resentment, or the seed from resentment, the bitter melon. What is the flower that pops out? Gossip. Now, you might not know why that is, but here's the reason why. Somebody did something, somebody done somebody wrong song, okay? Somebody did something wrong, and I want people to agree with me. So I'm going to tell Jerry. I'm going to tell Jerry about what happened, and he's going to be like, ah, that was terrible. And then that's not good enough, so i got to tell Gretchen, that's what happened. Oh, that was terrible, right? So it, this is how bitterness and resentment, and the end result is when that flower turns into the seed pod that blows everywhere, this is how we get division in, in the church. This is how we get division in our community. All right, so let's just be straightforward with people. I'm going to go talk to them. If I value being around them, I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to, I'm going to say, I didn't care for this very much. If they say, I'm very sorry, please forgive me. You're forgiven. Ta-da. Or if not, then I'm going to give them a little more space, and I'm not going to let them just steamroll over me over and over and over again. Because that's what God does. Right? If God, if people reject God, do you, is He always there? How about now? Do you still love me? How about now? I died for you. Do you love me? 
Do you love me now? Now? No? No. He gives them space because God's a gentleman. He doesn't force his way into people's lives. And so when we need to forgive people that same way. Uh, okay, so forgiveness is being aware that someone has done something against us, forgiving them, and then letting it go. Forgiveness is choosing not to keep score, right? Even if it's the same annoying thing over and over again. It is, forgiveness is refusing to be the person who punishes, because that's what gossip is. I'm punishing that person by convincing other people that they're naughty, mean, and nasty. And that's evil. God doesn't do that. You know, that's what the devil does. In the Old Testament, he's, a call, he's called the accuser of the, of the brethren in the New Testament. But when you read the book of Job and you hear that story, that's how it starts off. You know, like, eh, he's, where you been, devil? I've been going around the world looking for things, you know. Have you noticed my, my servant Job, says God, you know. And then, of course, the devil's always accusing us of the things in our past. But here's the good news. The good news, ladies and gentlemen, is when we enter into covenant with Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven, and so we must forgive others. So let's say this together. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Let's say it together, uh, and, and then we'll focus on a couple of things in it. So our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts or trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against others. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So when we pray that, forgive me. We're talking really, so once we've entered into covenant, it's not a salvational issue, but it is a relational issue between us and God. Do we want to be close to God? Yes, please. Right? And now we're distanced from God because of something. So when we pray, and forgive me the things that I've done that have annoyed you, God, because I've forgiven everybody who's annoyed me. Maybe I haven't, right? So this is why it's so important to remind us. Jesus tells us, forgive. Forgive. Because what is the result of forgiveness? Peace. Joy. Patience. All the fruit of the Spirit. It's almost like forgiveness is that miracle grow for the fruit of the Spirit. You know? So this morning, that's what I wanted to share with you. Hopefully you got something out of it. Uh, I certainly did when I was doing the study. I'm going to invite the uh, praise team to come back up. And we're going to do one more song. We're going to do it loud and proud, huh? Here they come. Well, let's go ahead and pray while they're coming. We thank you, Jesus, that you love us. And we thank you that you have forgiven us. And when we enter into covenant with you, that forgiveness is complete. Uh, you make us a brand new creature. We're not the old beat-up car anymore. And we love you, and we thank you for that. And we ask this morning that you would help us use the Holy Spirit that you've put into our lives to remind us of the people that we're still grumpy about and help us to forgive. So that way, Lord, we will always be as close as we can to you. In Jesus' name, amen.